Welcome to the Work-Life Brilliance Podcast with executive coach and best-selling author, Denise Renee Green. Denise fills each episode with humor, compassion, knowledge, and pragmatism to help you transform your life. Listen in and learn how you can tame your brain, lower your stress, and become the person you were born to be. Hey, my friend, and thank you for joining the Work-Life Brilliance Podcast. I have another very special episode for you. You are in for a treat because my guest today is Kirsten Wolberg. She is currently Chief Technology and Operations Officer at DocuSign. Yes, you heard correctly. She has two C-level jobs. That is how good she is. She is an amazing, inspiring leader with a very impressive list of accomplishments and credentials, including Kellogg MBA and board member. But she's not here because of what she has achieved in her career. She is here because of how she has done them. And I am so honored and pleased and delighted to have Kirsten, you here to talk about what else but love in the workplace. Thank you. It's great to be here. Now, I've had a few podcasts recently that I thought you, looking back, would have been a perfect guest for. One was play in the workplace and how play helps us uh, feel connected and be productive. And so we may end up talking about that a little bit too. Um, But we're going to talk about why. Why is love important in the business world? And before we get going, there might be some naysayers out there who are like, oh my gosh, we can't have love in the workplace. I can just picture a human resources manager going, what are they doing? What are they doing? So I looked up the definition of love and many of them indeed were not appropriate for business. But this is the one I liked and I kind of messed with it, but it was affection based on admiration, benevolence, or common interests. And I hacked out admiration and common interests and I looked up benevolence and it's a disposition to do good and a generous gift. And so I think of love in this case as affection that is a just a disposition a disposition to be affectionate toward others, to care for others, just because they exist. And what that does in our lives and why we need more of that in the workplace. And the reason, Kirsten, as you know, that I brought you on is because you work for a company that has three core values, and one of them is love. And that is unusual. So let's start there. Yeah. So DocuSign went public in April of 2017. And as, um, and, and I may even have this wrong, Denise, it may be April of 2018. Time is going so in such uh, warp speed here. So April of 2018, I believe is when we went public. And as a newly public company, we as the executive team, sat down and said, you know, we really want to look at what are the corporate values? What, what, what is unique to DocuSign? And our CEO, Dan Springer, is somebody who is super authentic and really down to earth. And he just kept saying, you know, I don't want a bunch of words that would you would see on a coffee mug or on the wall in a, in a office place somewhere. And you can't differentiate those words for that company any more than any other 
company. So we wanted to really be true to who we were at DocuSign. And where we landed was, you know, you said one of our, one of our core values uh, is love, but we started with agreeable because our product is all about making the world more agreeable through, you know, our agreement cloud and our product offerings. Where love came from is as an employee and executive at DocuSign, I have to tell you, every time I tell someone I work at DocuSign, one of the first things the person says to me is, DocuSign, I love DocuSign. And we're like, you know, DocuLove is something we've been joking about for years because that literally is, that's the response you get from customers is, I love DocuSign. And so there, we recognize that there's something to that because um, it's really rare to, to have a product where customers use the word love. And they don't say, oh, I like DocuSign. Oh, I, I really, I'm so much more efficient with DocuSign. This isn't what they're saying. They literally use the word love. And so that's important. And that's what differentiates us from, from other companies that have products that are similar to ours. And we wanted to hold on to that. And the last of our core values is responsible because we feel it's really important to be responsible to the communities that we um, operate in, to be responsible to the world. I mean, our product in and of itself saves trees, um, is, uh, is really from a sustainability perspective, helping uh, us get to a better place. And we're very proud of that. And it's an important part of culturally who we are. So um, we are agreeable, we are loved and we are responsible. So that's kind of the short answer for where the three came from and how love nestles into that story for us at DocuSign. So there's the love from the customers. But let's look at then the love inside of the company because customers also love that you're not evil. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. there, are, like, there are some uh, products and companies where people might like the product or even love the product but they freaking hate their sales rep yep. or they freaking hate the customer service experience. Um, and then there are companies that are just kind of known for love. Not very many though. And you and yeah. I have both worked in companies that were love and were not love. And I'm thinking like Zappos right now, we feel the, you know, as a customer, I can feel love for them, but I also know I can feel it internally. Yeah. And you as an executive, I know well enough to know that you bring this balance. One of my favorite definitions of executive presence is someone who embodies the proper balance of strength and warmth for influencing for the greater good. Now, you were just telling me before we did this that you're preparing for the board. You're going to probably dial up the strength a little bit and dial down the warmth a tiny bit in that board presentation, but you're still going to relate to them as a human. And when you get in front of your team, I know you're going to dial up the warmth because they know your strength and credibility and they need more warmth at times. Um, so say you know, something about whether it's your own leadership values and practice or uh, the culture inside DocuSign, but how did that show up? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. When I think about a, a single word to describe me and you know, my executive presence, um, the word I always come back to is actually courage. 
And I think courage includes aspects of this strength and warmth that you were talking about from the standpoint of, um, I have a, a responsibility in my position to courageously, um, tackle the issues and the challenges to take on, you know, the situations that we have when times are good and when times aren't good to have the difficult conversations with um, board members, with executives, with employees, with partners, with customers, and to have the courage to be able to lean into those things and speak with confidence, which is that strength part of it, I believe. But there's also the encourage. Um, there's a there's in my mind there's an element of protectiveness. It's kind of like. I feel a responsibility to protect my community, to protect my employees, to protect my company, and to use the skills and the gifts that I have to be able to do that. And so I, you know, I go into every situation fearless. Uh, I hold on to the, the courage and the confidence to deliver the message, whatever that message might be, um, however hard that might be, with a conviction um, and an empathy, which again is the warmth um, of who am I talking to? Who is who is on the other side of this conversation? When you use the word conversation, it's it's the it's the root con, which is with you're ha- you're talking with someone. There's someone else on the other side. So how do I meet them where they are in my strength, in my confidence, uh, and deliver the message that needs to be delivered. So that's, that's how I try to enter every, every conversation I'm having, every room where I'm doing a presentation and every all hands where I'm talking, you know, yesterday morning, I had an all hands on zoom, which is really weird with, um, with all of my employees. So, I love the word courage. I'm so glad you brought it up. Um, For people who follow Brene Brown, they've probably already heard this, but I think it's important just to remind us that the word courage comes from the Latin and then the French, and cur means heart. And courage without heart is just, I don't know, bravery? (laughs) Uh, So I think it's the perfect word to sum you up. Um, I wanted to, and it requires vulnerability. But what's also interesting is, is that I didn't know that I learned something on this podcast today. There you go. Um, uh, The heart is the love. And I think that is part, you know, as, as we look at the the values at DocuSign, we look at them from the employee perspective, from the customer perspective, and from the world, the perspective of the world. And we really try to bring them across. So that, that courage and the leadership and the heart you know, that is, that is across all three of those communities, our employees, our customers, and, and the world we are living in. And we want to work for courageous leaders, not just fearless leaders. I know you use that word, or not just brave leaders. It's, it's one thing to know your leaders got your back. That's great. That's yeah. awesome. But we want to know that not only can we go into battle and hope to survive, we want to know that they care about us. And I think there was a time when people would take that for granted and be embarrassed to say that, but now we're getting more familiar with the science of it. And you know, I'm a nerd and one of my favorite nerdy books that's written so well, it's a page turner is by Amy Banks and it is called wired to connect. 
And she proves anybody who thinks love is not important to get things done uh, will read this book and realize we are stressed when we do not feel like we have safe surroundings, safe people. And the people we feel most safe around are people whom we feel care for us and accept us just as we are. And like you said, they have our backs and we care for each other. And now Google researched it and called it psychological safety. And it's a real thing, whatever you call it. But teams that love each other get more done because they don't have to worry about trying to be posturing and perfect around each other. They can let their guards down and know that, hey, I might get this wrong, but you're still going to love me. We're still going to, you know, care for each other, even if we make some mistakes. Absolutely. And, and that certainly is the culture that we are, are living in and striving to maintain when you're in a, when you're in a company that's growing as fast as DocuSign, that's one of the hardest parts of leadership is preserving the culture, you know, building the culture and preserving the culture as you add new people. Because each new personality that comes into the, into the group adds something. And also there's that norming, forming, storming, and performing curve that we all have gone up and down many, many times. But that culture piece, preserving it through that entire evolution, it's tough. And it does, it, it has to be something you're constantly looking at. You can't say, oh, built the culture. This is good. You know, I'm going to, now we're moving on to the next thing on the list. It's, it's this constant um, focus that is required. And I'm a big, you know, it's not what you say, it's what you do. And being able to be seen in care, being able to be seen in um, how you manage through when, you know, people are going to disappoint you, teams are going to not deliver. And how do you, how do you manage through that? How do you discuss that? And how do you make it safe to fail? Oh, I was hoping we'd bring this up because first of all, it is almost impossible to have a culture of love unless it comes from the top. Yeah. I mean, I worked at Oracle for a while um, and it's not a company known for love. I found pockets of love because they're always loving people in a company. Um, but when it came time for me to do the new hire orientation and somebody would ask me, what's this company's vision and mission? You know, we didn't even have something we could put on a coffee mug. There wasn't anything. So I just said, when? <laughs> <laughs> Make a lot of money. So I made a slide that said, when at all costs. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure Larry would be on board with that. Um, so there was all this, and normal companies have a lot of infighting, us versus them, yeah. marketing versus technology, you know, technology versus sales. It's so easy because that's how our brain is wired. It's wired to distrust and to be tribal. So, and we know that, as you said, when we bring more people on, the culture shifts. But when you have leaders like Dan and yourself, um, it's much easier to say, no, this is the norm. Watch, watch them. Watch how they leave these meetings. So when you have those poor performers the or the teams that don't live up to it, whether it's your team or a team you have to work with, um, what, what do you do? So I'm a big believer in just honest, direct uh, conversation. And 
starting with this was my expectation and and this is how you know actual performance differed from the expectation here's my part in it i'm sure you know in every in every situation and every failure there's i'm sure there is something i i personally could have done differently to help improve the outcome so i will take ownership of where i let that person down in not helping or not taking as a specific action that that might have led to a, a different outcome and then i will invite them to share with me you know what what is their part in in this this failure that that we share and um and then what are we going to do about it and i'm you know i one mistake that's fine two three and four mistakes which are the same mistake those are those are conversations that are more focused on what didn't we learn um but generally you know overwhelmingly you have one conversation and it's recognized what what didn't go right and we course correct and move forward i mean my organization i'm in technology and operations and and we work within an agile um methodology and the principles of agile and and one of the beautiful things about the principles of agile is is iterative and constant improvement and you have a retrospective at the end of every two week time block where you've delivered something and you really you know you interrogate what what did we do great and let's make sure we keep doing that and what did we do that wasn't so great and let's make sure we take actions in the next two weeks to fix that so i kind of take that that mindset and mentality into all of those one-on-one -on -one conversations as well it's like what did we do great what didn't we do great what was your part in that what was my part in that and how do we make sure we correct it going forward and so that's the spirit and the nature of the of the conversations when when it's a difficult conversation and things didn't go so great that is such a gift those direct conversations i think anybody listening has had somebody in their life who cared about them enough to say that didn't work out so well <laughs> Let's talk about that and to own up to their part of it. If there was honestly something that, you know, they could have done better when we don't get those, when we get the, you know, nods like, Oh yeah, you're doing, you're just, it's fine. And then we get hit with the performance review that we didn't expect. Um, that's not kind, that's not love. And that's definitely not courage. Uh, and I think you through just repetition have gotten to a place where you think it's a gift. Like I'm just going to give this person a gift right now of the truth and have a compassionate conversation with them. Yeah, one of my one of my favorite um, bosses, he said to me once, he said, you know, it's interesting. Um, so many people think that feedback is good, 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 bye. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you don't hear about what's not going right until they're, you know, ushering you to the door. And, um, and I just think that is, that's a crime. You have to give people, you know, feedback. And I've, you know, I've fired people for performance. Um, I've given really difficult messages. And what's been interesting is over the course of my, you know, decades long career is I've actually had people that I have let go because of performance come back to me and say, you know, you gave me the best gift that I have ever gotten in my career because if they hadn't gotten the feedback, the specific feedback, and in some cases, if they hadn't been let go, they would have just continued down a path that wouldn't have enabled them to actually 
make corrections that they needed to make. And it's so easy to go through, you know, your career in a, in a, in sort of a mediocre marginal way. And it's by no fault of, you know, the employee, it could be the culture they're in, it could be the company they're in, it could be the boss that they're in, is not giving them the information that they need to truly excel. And, you know, um, I believe that every, every person has unlimited potential and being able to help that individual access it, you know, greater and greater levels of capability and performance is what leadership is about. It's about, you know, giving, giving to those so they can improve and contribute more in their own lives, in their own companies and to their own careers. So I've had a number of tremendous mentors and sponsors in my life who have given me that gift of believing in me more than I believe in myself and, and showing me that I could indeed do more than I thought possible. So feedback is all part of that, that recipe that, get, you know, that gets you those exceptional performers because people don't get there on their own. Generally it it's through these, you know, really important feedback conversations. Right. Normally we follow the path of mediocrity because it's safe. Yeah, totally. (laughs) It's hard to dare to be brilliant. Like that's scary. It's that courage thing again. It's like, if you truly want to exceed and excel and get ahead, I talk to a lot of folks, a lot, especially a lot of women um, about, you know, how do I do this? And so much of their internal self-talk is negative and questioning and not believing and not not having the courage to take those steps and to do those things. It's, I mean, it's a big part of all aspects of, of success within a professional context. Okay. I think that is, this is probably the last big topic we're going to cover what you just brought up. And I'm so glad you brought it up because I think I would have forgotten, but it's huge. I know we've been talking about loving each other, but until you can learn to self-love, it does not matter how much other people love you they can't fill up that hole. You got to self-love. And from there, you have genuine courage because you realize it doesn't matter if I make a mistake or fail, as I put in air quotes, uh, whatever that definition means. Um, If I have love for myself and if I think I'm worthy, then it doesn't matter. I'm just taking risks and that's worth doing. And again, our brains are wired for negativity. you know, keeping in our place, staying small, kept us alive. It kept us in the tribe. And so now we have these brains that are afraid of speaking out in meetings, are afraid of daring, are constantly self-criticizing ourselves. I got a lot of podcasts on this. Um, I just a couple a couple podcast episodes ago um, have a uh, client, Sean, telling about how he undid his self self-loathingness story. Um, But I just want people to work on this so much and give yourself love and learn how to do that. Because this idea that you're not worthy is not necessary and you can overcome it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's interesting over time. I've, I've developed a pattern for myself because we all make mistakes. We all screw up. We all say things that we, you know, really wish we could say, wow, I wish that would have stayed in my inside voice and not gone out as my outside voice. I get to, I get, I do that to myself a lot actually. And, um, 
and you know, big or small, I spend some time kind of wallowing in it. I call it my own personal pity party. And then once my pity party is done, I'm done. And I literally have figured out a way to just completely forget about it. You know, I learn from it. So it's not like I don't take the learning from it, but I don't, I don't have this pattern of beating myself up repeatedly over something that I did wrong. I have a pity party in the moment. I go, yep, that was not good. I really shouldn't have done or said that, or I really should have done this differently. Okay. I'm, I'm wallowing in it and then boom, it's gone. And I literally like two days from now, you could ask me what it was and I wouldn't be able to remember. I've gotten a, a flush feature in my brain that has been extremely valuable as, as I have learned to self-love and, and not beat myself over, uh, up over stuff that, you know, yeah, you learn from it, but you got to move on. Okay. That's fascinating. Um, so do you know what the mechanism is for you to flush it? Are you even aware of what happens? Cause I know people are wondering, how do I flush it? Like what, what does she do? You know, I don't, I don't know how to articulate it as a mechanism, but it literally is a block. I just, I don't think about it again. And so I would imagine, um, that what my brain has learned to do over time is, is that pattern of sit in it and then forget about it. And, and I'm sure that if I look at this over the course of, you know, the decades that I've been working on it, I'm sure, you know, up front, it was like, I would still be thinking about it for a month. And then it was like, I was only thinking about it for three weeks. Then I was only thinking about it for two weeks, et cetera, et cetera, until I got down to the point where in basically in the moment or in the day or in the hour, I have the ability to rest with it and let it go. Okay, that's brilliant. So what might be happening is it takes 90 seconds for a thought to circulate um, energetically, chemically, neurochemically through your system. And if you're not repeating, <clears throat> excuse me, repeating the thought over and over, um, you're not creating neural pathways for it. So those neural pathways that you created, the little tiny one, just is so decrepit. It doesn't, <laughs> it, it doesn't get emboldened. When we retell the story, we're forming yeah. new synapse connections new neural pathways. And now all of a sudden we have the super highway of shame. <laughs> You're not even building a path. Yeah. I definitely don't have a super highway of shame. I got to <laughs> tell you, there, there's, there's none of that in this brain. So I don't know how I, I don't know how, and I love your, I love the science we're getting here, Denise. This is helping me significantly. This is how I roll, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I like to blend science and swearing, but I'm, I'm just sticking with the science in this one. But, um, so if you had to name uh, somebody who embodies for you this, the ultimate in love and influence, um, who would you say? And I don't want to put you on the spot. If you're on the spot and you want time to think, I'll say mine. So say yours. And I, you know, I have an answer, but um, I'm trying to think of a, I have an answer for me personally. I'm mm -hmm. trying to think of somebody that others would know. And that's where I struggle because I think part of this is you really have to know somebody on a more personal level before you can, you know, 
before, before I can credibly say, okay, I actually know who this person is, not just their public persona, but their actual person. I think we all see in the media people who we think are these wonderful humans. And then we find out things about them. They're like, oh, wow, they're maybe not the person I thought they were because they were so polished about how they presented themselves externally. So you say yours and maybe that'll inspire me to, to, uh, to come up with a better answer. Okay. You are so wise. I'm just cracking up. Um, so yes, I'm, I'm going to pick somebody who's had enough written about him that of course nobody's perfect. Um, but I was thinking about Nelson Mandela because he had every reason to be a resentful asshole. I mean, he was imprisoned for many years and instead he brought love to the whole process. I don't know what point I, I haven't, I don't know enough about him to know at what point he made the decision, but just the love he brought to that situation and the fact that he ended up having guards that opened up the gate, you know, opened up his door and he was free in prison. And then he chose to stay in prison just because it was politically wise for what he wanted to ultimately do. So he had obviously the strength of conviction, but then this generosity of spirit to not be resentful. And then the whole truth commission, he brought a country together to heal. And that's where the forgiveness comes in. I think with love, there is a lot of acceptance, forgiveness, because love and resentment don't mix very well. You can love somebody and resent them. I've done it many times, Um, but it doesn't feel good. It's not healthy. Um, And so for me, that's who came to mind. So, um, and that did inspire me. Um, so I will say, um, Jane Goodall Mm -hmm. and, um, because Jane has worked with us at DocuSign, we, we have an initiative in our impact foundation, which is, um, DocuSign for forests and saving forests and reforesting to save our wildlife. And certainly, uh, Jane Goodall has spent, you know, nearly 60 years um, in that in this space. Um, I think most people know her for the work she did to protect the chimpanzees in, in Tanzania, you know, started in Tanzania and has really gone around the world. And she has worked with us. And while I can't say I know her well, she sends us video, she sent us a video recently, um, just, you know, telling us all to stay strong through the, the global pandemic. And she has spoken to the organization and she is someone who truly does have, you know, when you, when you invest your life in something bigger than yourself, that is a form of selfless love that very few people um, do in their life. And, and she is definitely uh, in humankind, a woman who has done that. She has invested the whole of her adult life in, in protecting others, in this case, um, chimpanzees and the environment. And, and she's just such a warm and um, special lady that I'm going to say Jane Goodall. I just want to give her a hug right now. 
You know, she, she, you see her and all you want to do is give her a hug. That is exactly the response that you want to give her. There's this video that we've played multiple times. It's probably on our website where uh, DocuSign and Dan Springer gave a million dollar donation to her foundation. And she said to, to Dan, she goes, I want to, I want to thank you the way chimp chimpanzees thank you. And he's like, oh, okay. And none of us saw this coming she walked up to him, she gave him a big hug, and it was this tapping hug, like over and over, like, ooh, 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 just tapping, 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 tapping on his back over and over and over, making this adorable sound, like she was the happiest person on the planet, and she just sat there for a good minute, just ooh, 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 pat, pat, patting him on the back in this hug that was just the greatest thing ever. So I think Jane Goodall gives the best hugs ever. I want one so bad. <laughs> I know. Doesn't that sound great right now? I would kill for one of those hugs. Just the laughter even. Just, oh, the smile. I'm, I'm like smiling from the inside right now. Yeah. Um, okay, that is love. And th there's also a playfulness to that. And I talked about yeah. how a recent podcast was play. So um, I didn't tell you I was going to do this, but I just thought of this and I hope you're okay with it. Um, but there was a picture of you. I, I believe it was on LinkedIn or Facebook. So I, I think it's okay for me to ask you. Yeah, it's not on Facebook. I'm sure it's on LinkedIn or just somewhere in the, uh, in the interwebs. Yes. So here's the connection be between what you were just talking about with play and love and joy. Um, there was a company survey and you challenged your team. It was basically a bet that yeah. if every single person, 100% of the staff completed the survey, you would do something. Yeah. Share what that was. Yes. Yeah, so I told them that I would dress up and come into work dressed as Wonder Woman. And of course, my incredible, amazing staff did not let me down. We had a hundred percent participation rate and I came into work dressed as Wonder Woman and it was, uh, photos were taken all around. It was a fantastic, fun, fun day. And I'll have you know that we are right in the middle of our employee survey right now. I'm at 71% participation. And uh, thus far, it's been, it's been open for about three days. We've got 10 days more in our, uh, in our window to complete it. And I have told the team that I will dress up and links, lip sync as Cher uh, if I could turn back time. So that's the one where she was on the, on the um, Navy boat uh, with her big curly black hair. I'm a big Cher fan. Um, and I will, I am going to see if I can get Dan Springer, the CEO, to do a lip sync duel with me um, if my team gets to 100%. So I can't, I can't make promises for him. So I'm working on that, but I will definitely be doing uh, uh, share and if I could turn back time. So if I could turn back time, I, there are so many things I would do because 2020 has been a year. <laughs> uh, so there, that is the embodiment of vulnerability and play and love. And <laughs> it's a good thing we're not giving people your email address because you'd be getting <laughs> lots of requests for jobs right now. So we're not well, going to do that you know, to you. I, I do want to plug and say that I've got 40 positions open in my team right now. So anybody listening who knows someone who needs a job, um, and who's in technology and operations, you send them to DocuSign and send them to uh, my team. We have lots of fun. We play, we love one another um, and uh, would love to have new members on my team. 
Oh, you, well, you know, people are going to listen to this in three years and you're still going to be getting. <laughs> well, and in three years, and we're, still, still gonna, we're still going to be hiring. So it's you'll still, still be growing. Be, you'll still be hiring. Exactly. You'll just be taking on a different persona than Wonder Woman. Um, That's so, right. I, I will have gone through all of my wigs and uh, <laughs> we'll have to figure something else out. Yes. So we need more love in the workplace. You just reminded me, my, I finished up a group, um, group coaching, and it's a lot of love. I start with science yeah. <laughs> because I want them, I want to be credible with them. And then I wham, hit them with the love. And they, you know, people don't have these kind of conversations in the workplace. So yeah. to be with six colleagues and you can talk about anything yeah. and be your real self. And um, my house is a little drafty. So I'm often in a beanie hat and um, on the, and nobody talks about it. But on the last day, I opened up the Zoom. And everybody was wearing a stupid hat. <laughs> and I awesome. just gut laughed. I mean, these were ridiculous hats. Um, one person was in a 49ers, uh, like, mother was in a 49ers um, football helmet. Um, I mean, it, it was craziness. And I just was, I was crying. I was laughing so hard because I could feel the love. So yeah. let's just challenge everybody, Kirsten. Let's just challenge them to figure out how to bring some lightness because yeah. the world is heavy. Uh, our workplaces are unnecessarily heavy. And I know that people are really starting to do this more and more and realizing they can be vulnerable and playful online, on videos, on the phone. Um, but we need more of that. And we need people to just um, notice when we get resentful, when we judge, when we have that story about ourselves and others and just bring some light and love to it. Um, like we want to feel for ourselves. Absolutely. One of the things I'm doing with my whole team right now, um, as we are spending a lot of our time on videos together, is we do dance breaks. So we just take a 10 minute dance break and we just dance, dance, dance till we can't dance anymore. And to see the to see the smiles on everyone's face and how just the overall mood shifts from before the dance break to after the dance break, it's super fun. And it really, it really does speak to how the importance of, of bringing fun and play into the workplace because, you know, they call it work and not play for a reason. However, that doesn't mean the two are mutually exclusive. Right. Uh, adult, adults need recess just as much as kids do. And dance, or even if somebody isn't a dancer, they don't think they have movement, but shaking off, shaking stress off to yeah. music, your body gets in a different state. That's why Tony Robbins has people do like five hours of dancing in his, yeah. in his workshops. Uh, I had a friend literally time it and they danced for four hours one day <laughs> in one of the Tony Robbins workshops. So if you take nothing else from this, uh, <laughs> dance, <laughs> take Kirsten's advice and dance with your team. Leaders dance with your team. And if yeah. you have no rhythm, even better dance exactly. with your team. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, Kirsten, I thank you so much. I know you have a board thank presentation you. to go and work on, but uh, this has been so fun. Thank you. Thank you, Denise, and take good care. Thank you for listening, everybody, to this special podcast. And if you like the Work Life Brilliance podcast, I would love to hear the love. I love reading your comments. I love reading your suggestions. And um, I love it when you share with friends. And I get to talk with more people. And if you want more resources on how you can bring love and productivity and lightness and just self-love, uh, there is the website, www.work-lifebrilliance.com.
www.thisisfeminist.com. And I will see you next time. Thanks for listening to Work-Life Brilliance. If you want to be coached by Denise, join her in the Work-Life Brilliance Academy, where wholehearted humans are becoming the best version of themselves. Accepting applications now at wlbacademy.com.